Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome back to Ugly the Podcast as hosted by me, Tails Wells, or Tails or Tail or Tilly or whatever you want to call me. Um, on today's episode, I'm going to give you some context in a minute, but I'm not going to do it in this little section because it makes it too long, if you know what I mean. But this episode, I wanted to talk about being a woman in sport or, you know, just anything related to sport and also related to being a woman. Almost a feminist take on sports and it's like the treatment or you kind of the, what's it called? the damage that sometimes sports can cause or the friendship stereotypes anything like that essentially listen to the man by taylor swift and that will sum up this episode but i will give you some context now before we quickly get started i want to say that i obviously do speak about sports a lot in this episode specifically formula one so if you wanted any more episodes on formula one specifically let me know if you want any specific guests let me know any specific episode requests or topics or advice anything like that drop me a message and i will work on it for you enjoy the context the contacts the context of me making this episode is i i have a massive passion for formula one and I've noticed, say, on TikTok, or there was a specific incident that incident incident that happened with a Formula One podcast that kind of caused a lot of um, uproar surrounding kind of the privilege that the guys have in the motorsport industry and the girls have, da da da, whatever like that. But it kind of fl- inflicted my emotions towards my experiences relating to being in sports as a woman or just in general because you know every single girl that I've spoke to they were brought up you know doing ballet or going to dancing or doing a sort of different dancing gymnastics stuff like that and they've all kind of spoken to me about like the stereotypes or kind of the damage that it's caused and stuff like that so a mix of I wanted to speak about kind of the effects of you know being in sports or just competitive sports as a whole um related to being to women but also because when it comes to say liking sports as a woman that aren't deemed stereotypically feminine or are deemed as a man's sport and I'm saying that with like the little bunny ears right now they kind of they get then considered as like a a pygmy girl or they're faking it or they don't actually like it you know they're just lying for attention or whatever like that and it's actually the biggest load of bullshit ever and I just want to talk about it because I wanted to do an episode on the whole phrase of pick me girl because I do genuinely believe that if like the whole phrase of pick me girl is essentially just setting back feminism is it not you calling a girl a pick me for say liking football are you then not you know perpetrating the stereotype that football is for men that women can't like it because then they're a pick me girl that they're trying too hard or if girls like formula one they're clearly faking it they don't know anything about it which I have been told, and I think, you know, shut the fuck up! 
It's infuriating and I want to talk about it. So listen to The Man by Taylor Swift right now and let's get into the episode. Let's actually kick off this episode with speaking about the phrase of a pick-me-girl or the disregard of women in sport or women liking sport. So in my personal experience, as I've obviously said, I have a huge passion for Formula One. And it's, I mean, I've grown up around that kind of sport because my brother from when he was really, really young, he carted, carted, he did karting. So I remember like all the weekends that I'd go and watch him race. And I spent so many of my birthdays like going and watching his races and I absolutely loved it. Like meeting all the people, like watching my dad, like do all of the cars up and stuff like that. And my brother racing in general, I really enjoyed it. And then I started to kind of find the passion in Formula One. So I was like, oh, I love this. Like, I just find it really interesting. Love talking about it. Love watching it. Love like my dad mansplaining it to me and me mansplaining it back. Like whatever. I love having the knowledge of it because it's just a passion. It's like any other passion that you have, you could have a passion for going on hot girl walks, which I cannot relate to, guys. I've tried it again. Just makes me furious. But anyway, aside to the point. And I noticed, actually, when I've spoken about it around girls, the reaction is that they're like, oh, really? Like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, tell me about it. Like, I've got my friends into it, stuff like that. The reaction from guys, because Formula One is deemed as a stereotypically masculine not masculine sport but stereotypically I'm gonna say in bunny ears I've heard the quote for men literally out loud I've heard a man saying that formula one is for men which I I I I don't even want to say what I want to say right now and I think you know exactly what I'd love to call him however I've heard that phrase and then when I've expressed my passion for formula one or spoken about it I am kind of greeted I've I've even oh I don't know what that what, what that sound was I've either been greeted by like you know, them just genuinely having a conversation about it and not, like, the bare minimum of them not, like, rolling their eyes and, you know, being like, oh, yeah, whatever. But I've also been greeted with, like, a literally, yeah, what? Yeah, whatever. Like, you don't know about it. Like, you're lying. Like, whatever. Like, oh, anyway, moving on. Like, you don't know anything about it. Like, and then, oh, fuck. It's when they're, like, explain DRS. I think, oh, my God, shut your gob. Shut your little mouth. And it's basically... When you express a passion for something that is connoted and stereotypically masculine, you get quizzed on it. You get, they try and find out whether you know these intricate details. They'll be like, okay, who won for the past 27 years to be specific? Or they will try and catch you out for a stupid detail that they probably don't even know themselves. And it's very, very, oh, what's the word? I keep forgetting the bloody phrase that you use, but it's like where they kind of, speak down to you and like make you feel dumb it's not intimidating but it's like I can't even think of the word but it's where they'll talk down to you and make you feel stupid so then you will tone down your passion and you will dim it down you won't speak about it in front of them anymore you essentially in your head be like oh actually yeah okay I shouldn't really speak about it I should kind of like hide the fact that I'm passionate about it I couldn't care less If someone, if a guy thinks that I don't know anything about Formula One or I don't know anything about a particular sport that I'm interested in, I don't care. I don't have to explain to them how much knowledge I know on it, how much I enjoy it or what team I support or when the team was created or when the creator of the team was fucking born and where he was raised and stuff like that. I don't, you don't owe anyone an explanation because you like a specific sport. 
if you like a sport and you're greeted with this kind of like, yeah, whatever attitude, shove it in their face that you adore that sport or shove it in their face of who you support, whatever like that, because who cares? You don't have to explain to someone or prove to someone that you are particularly interested in something. As I said in the introduction, girls that I've spoke to, they were all kind of brought up like um, going to ballet or doing different types of dance like tap, jazz. And I grew up Irish dancing, obviously. And that was a big part of my life. I was Irish dancing for about a decade from when I was five to... Was I five five to 15? I, I believe it was. I don't know. It's a, I can't really remember. But I grew up around Irish dancing. And as every sport goes, I believe in my experience, because I only really Irish dance, I couldn't, well, I wasn't very good at any other sport. But in my personal experience, it was the best part of my day, the best part of my month, my favorite thing about my life until it got competitive, until it got toxic and kind of this intensely anxious atmosphere that I would have to put myself into because I did get competitive and I speak to my parents about this a lot because Irish dancing obviously was such a big thing about my life and then obviously I quit and I stopped dancing and it was like a big shock but I speak to them about this because they're like well now that you've gone through the negative things which I will speak about like the damage that it's caused do you regret it do you wish that you never you know competed in Irish dancing do you blame us for putting you into it and I'm not blaming anyone for for me being an Irish dancer I'm not ungrateful for being an Irish dancer I loved Irish dancing until it got to the point where it was insufferable and that's fine you know it's like with every sport it's whether you can handle it and I just personally couldn't handle it I lost my love for my sport because it wasn't enjoyable anymore it became this kind of atmosphere where not even that it was so overly competitive but it just became this comparison not even with dancing but with the way I looked the way my body looked what clothes I would wear what brands I would wear how much money I'd have what car my mum would drive you know it was incredibly stupid but when your sport turns into something that you can't even love anymore I just couldn't go. I would cry in the car to my mum. Like I'd be hysterically crying on the way back from school and I'd be like, please don't make me go. Like I really don't want to go. And she'd be like, no, I've paid for it already. Like you have to go. You have a competition. And I would literally be in hysterics. Like my nose would be like running and I'd have tears down my face. And I'd be like, please don't make me go tonight. I'll go tomorrow, but I just can't go tonight. And, you know, it must have been heartbreaking for my mum to see her daughter go from, you know, a child competing in this, not even competing, but her child at five years old, starting off in this dancing world, to then getting to 14, 15 years old, and being in an absolute hysterics, making my mum not take me. Like, it's insane. I'm just going to quickly put a trigger warning in just for this little section, because I'm going to be speaking about body image to do with dancing. The main negative that I kind of gain perspective on from like all the girls that I spoke to who competed competitively was the fact that it all stems down to the way your body is. I mean, you know, all the sports are highly competitive, so you have to be incredibly athletic, which I was. I was very, very athletic, but I didn't realize that it wasn't a healthy kind of athletic. 
I was a very, very petite girl. And my friends would always be like, oh my God, you're so tiny. But I, I never did it like to be like, oh my God, I'm so tiny. I just, you know, went to dance. I, I well, I wake up at 6am, I would train, I'd go to school, straight from the school, I'd get in the car, drive two hours to go to dance for four hours, drive two hours home, get back at 11.30am, am, pm, um, have a little snack and go to bed. I just didn't have time. But the main thing, the main damage that say dancing causes or any competitive sport for girls is the effect on their body image. When I stopped Irish dancing, my body changed because obviously I wasn't training four hours a day, six days a week. So my body became a lot softer. I became a lot more curvier. And because this was such a drastic change, I was so shocked and almost ashamed because when I quit Irish dancing, I didn't really speak to anyone from my old school for a while. Um, I mean, for a while, I didn't really speak to any of them, which not for any particular reason, but so I was kind of alone in this sense. No one else had quit. So no one else's body had changed in, you know, from what I knew. So seeing on their Instagram, like everybody looked the same. I was the only one that looked different because I quit. You know, I stopped training four hours a day. As I said, of course, I'm going to change. There's nothing wrong with change. But I felt this sense of shame because I didn't fit into an Irish dancer's body anymore. I didn't fit this certain way that I used to look Therefore, you know, my relationship with food and my relationship with my body image became unhealthy and really, really unstable. And that's the negative effect that, you know, going into competitive sports at a young age as a girl can have because it's all about looks and body image and stuff like that. But now I've kind of come to grips with the fact I'm like, hang on a minute, I'm a woman. Like my body is beautiful no matter what. It's meant to look the way that it looks. I found that as well, the treatment that I would receive, say when I told people that I was an Irish dancer or especially boys that I was an Irish dancer, I'd either get picked on because of like the dresses that I used to wear or the wigs I used to wear or the fake tan I'd have to wear. I would get picked on because they'd be like, oh my God, like that's hilarious. Like, why would you post that? Like, oh my God, that's so fucking weird. Like, whatever. At the time, I was a sensitive little lady, so obviously I cared what they thought, even though I really shouldn't have. But when I would tell people that I was an Irish dancer, not only would they be like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing, because they'd see the costumes and stuff like that, but I would have to literally prove them that it was a sport. They would be like, oh, it's dancing. It's not a sport, is it? It's not competitive, is it? And I was thinking in my head, I was thinking, you fucking asshole. But I would literally be like, no, 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 no. Like, I get so defensive just to prove to people that what I was doing was a highly competitive sport. And it was crazy. And I think that's the same for like boys and girls in Irish dancing. I don't know the perspective on like how the guys were. But when I did do sport, especially guys' reactions, because at school they would like, they wouldn't really, you know, care anyway. But they would be so... What's the word? I'm really trying to think of the word where they look down at you and make you feel dumb. But they would do that to me. So I, again, wouldn't mention my hobbies and I wouldn't mention my interests. It's the same recurring theme that I've had since I was like seven, eight years old to literally now. And I'm nearly 19 years old, still having to prove to people that I enjoy certain sports just because I enjoy them. Not because I'm trying to prove to someone something or I'm trying to prove to 
my parents or my family or my friends that I still Irish dance or that I like Formula One or that I enjoy watching rugby or whatever the hell I'd watch. You know, it's still this constant need to prove to people because is it a woman in sport? Is it because it's so hard to believe that it's a competitive thing? The damage caused as well from going into sports as a girl quite young and, you know, I think this is like a a general kind of conversation that needs to be had is kind of like the social anxiety that it causes because when I was Irish dancing, the reason why I quit is just because I genuinely had no passion and no love for it anymore. Like when I quit probably two years, three years before that, I absolutely idolised it. Like I would be so excited to go to sport, go to sport, go to classes. I'd be so excited to go see my friends. Like we were all so close. My mum absolutely loved it because she was really good friends with all the all the parents as well. And it was just like this incredible big family that I had. But flash forward to like from two years before I quit to like the point where I quit, it was genuinely so insufferable because when things turn competitive, it's not only about you know, the way that you're dancing on the day. It's about the brands that you wear. It's about the brand of trainers you wear. It's about how much money your parents got, what car your parents drive, you know, how many private lessons you have, you know, the politics around when you go to competitions, who your teachers know, like who's the teacher's favourite, what kind of, you know, it, it becomes less about the sport and more about the politics surrounding yourself, which is crazy because obviously you you go into a sport because you love it. You really enjoy doing it. You're passionate about it. You don't go into it to be damaged on the outside. I now have a lot of, a lot, a lot of unresolved kind of trauma from my sport. And that's not me blaming anyone or anything like that. Because, you know, I put myself in the situation. I loved it at the time and then I carried it on. And even when I didn't love it, I still carried on. And that's kind of where the damage hit. But say, being in a really highly competitive sport you then get like kind of confidence issues, self-confidence issues. I now still from like Irish dancing have a lot of self-confidence in terms of friendships. I had incredible friendships to then having very minimal to no friendships in Irish dancing. So now I have this like weird kind of unstable reliability on my friends, if you will. When I gain new friends, I kind of, I have this disbelief that it's going to last for a long time because they never used to. It used to be whoever was, you know, the favourite in that moment would be the person that they want to be friends with. And that's, that was crazy to me. But also the damage that, you know, my sport caused or sport causes on girls, as I said, is this kind of female friendships And I've done an episode on female friendships, but it causes this toxicity because obviously you're in a competitive environment anyway. You can detach the fact that you're being competitive with the other person as a sports person rather than being competitive with them as a woman, you know. But sometimes, obviously, if you're in this highly competitive area, you can compare yourself. You could be like, okay, maybe she's doing better because she's smaller than me or maybe she's doing better because she's prettier than me or you know, you start to then pick apart things about yourself that you, that are different. And then you start to fall out with this person as a person, not as your sports person or as your teammate. You start to compete with them aesthetically, the way that you look, the way that you think, 
you know, it becomes this toxic environment that starts to see, de, de, was it degrading? No, that's not the word. But yeah, you know, like downfall of yourself. Have you listened to The Man by Taylor Swift yet? Yes or no? If no, go and listen to it. If yes, perfect. Because my favourite, not my favourite actually, that's the wrong word to use, but the main topic of this episode is the disadvantages and advantages have that girls and boys have in sports. For example, I could bring this back to a couple things, but say when I was Irish dancing and I'd be in the same category as a bunch of guys, I believe, and I've spoke to a lot of Irish dancers about this and a lot of Irish dancers definitely agree, that when I would see that I was dancing with a couple of the boys or there'd be a couple of boys in my age group, I knew that they would come before me. And it might have just been because I was a bit of a, I wasn't a fucking brilliant dancer at the time, but it might just be because of that. But I always noticed this kind of unfair advantage that they had because there weren't a lot of boys actually dancing at the time. There weren't a lot of them in my age group when they would be in my age group. And when they would be, because there'd be like two of them competing in the boys. So they had to like join our, like the girls age group. And all the girls would be gutted because they'd be like, oh, for God's sake, like... So the boys would come into our age group and I noticed this advantage where they would do very well in the girls' age group. And I don't know whether it's because there weren't a lot of boys, so it would be more interesting to watch the boys or more special to have the boys, like, higher up on the podium, whatever. But also, for example, Formula One as well. There's the Formula One Academy where you've got the girls in it as well. There's a really, really brilliant driver, Abby Pulling, who I'm a big fan of. But anyway, in the Formula One driver kind of category thing, you you wonder, you're like, oh, I wonder why there are no women in Formula One. Formula Two, no women. However, there has to be this separate thing for women because there are no opportunities. There are no kind of, well, previously there weren't any opportunities to kind of put them in the race. But there is this unfair advantage that isn't really recognised. It's more seen as like, oh no, it's just because they aren't as talented, that's why they're not in it. But again, it's because people just aren't ready for change, which I think this Formula One Academy thing is like bloody brilliant because it's like, you know, implementing the change. But there is this advantage that maybe guys have in sports. Obviously, in my specific sport, they're kind of, I believe there was, it wasn't like distinct. But as a girl in the sports, it almost felt like, you know, like the Taylor Swift where it's like, oh, I'm so sick. Of, so I'm not actually going to sing on this podcast. Oh my God, I'm going to stop myself there. But sick of running as fast as I can. Wonder if I could get there quicker if I was a man. So true. It is really sad when I look back at it, at like the fact that I was absolutely in love with Irish dancing. You know, as I should be. I started from the age of five. My whole family, like my mum's side of the family is very Irish. So it was such a special thing for everyone in my family because, you know, that would be their favourite. They're like, I would... I'd go to any family event and they'd all ask me to Irish dance. They'd all always ask me about it, like call my mum and ask her about it. Like it was such a huge part of not only mine, but my mum and dad's, my sister and my brothers, my my auntie and uncles, my granddad, my nan and granddad, you know, everyone in my family would absolutely loved it because we were all Irish. So it broke my heart when I quit because I wasn't thinking about all the damage that was caused to me over the past 10 years. I was thinking about how are my family going to react to this? You know, the sport, I lost so much love for it that I forgot that it was me dancing. I forgot that it was actually 
my choice and my decision to get out there and compete. And, you know, competition is good until it's made into bullying. And sports, being in sports as a woman can very, very easily go into bullying. And I don't want to go too far into Irish dancing in an episode, just for personal reasons. But, you know, it was it, it was an absolutely horrible environment in uh, not always in the past in the last like few years that I was Irish dancing it was horrible but the first I'd say like seven eight years that I was Irish dancing magical made the most amazing friends I'm still friends with to this day have incredible experiences that I'll remember forever people that I'll hopefully stay friends with forever however as I've said when sports becomes competitive it's where it's like a sink or swim thing but i definitely sunk if that's the right word to say but you know sports as a woman is it's hard because it's whether you see it as sink or swim or it's like am i literally being pushed down in this ocean so i don't ever ever rise to the top is it favoritism is it you know favoring the guys over the girls is it easier for guys or the girls it's all these questions that pop up after i quit that i was like hang on there was nothing fair about this sport. The reason why I've also stopped like silencing myself when it comes to, you know, vocalising my love for certain sports is individuals like Lissy McIntosh, for example. She's a Formula One presenter. She's been doing Formula One on her TikTok for the past couple years. And she goes to all the races. She's gone to IndyCar races, Formula Two, Formula Three. And I think she's absolutely my idol. And the reason why I don't shut up when I have a passion anymore is because of her. It's because of people that are finally coming to the front and being like, no, I'm not going to silence myself just because I'm a girl and I enjoy a sport that you close-minded person deem as a male sport you know she's absolutely incredible and she's made me realize that whenever I've been shut down for sports I've backed down I've been like okay fine I'm not going to speak about it because you clearly know more than me because you're a guy and it's your sport and I clearly haven't known about it as long da, 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 whatever and it's you know one of those things where you're in an argument and you think about your what your reaction should have been hours later I kind of I still do that sometimes but that's fine I'm at least I'm moving on but I, you should never silence yourself when it comes to liking a sport as a woman, especially if it's a sport that's deemed stereotypically masculine or for men in bunny ears, for example. Never, ever do that because if you love something, say if you loved someone, you're not going to not speak about them because someone else thinks they knows them better than you. For example, the other day I got, uh, like, you know, when I even bring up Formula One, people roll their eyes and I think, you know what? I don't care. I don't care if you think I don't know anything about it because I do and I don't have to prove it to you. So don't silence yourself when it comes to sport, especially if you're a woman. If you've lost your love for your sport, try and reclaim it in a non-competitive way. For example, I was tempted to go back to Irish dancing and not compete and just do it to, you know, see all my friends again, get back into the sport and see it as a hobby. But I knew that Irish dancing isn't the sport for that you can't just not compete when it comes to Irish dancing and I knew that because I'm a very competitive person I would just end up competing again and I don't think I could put myself through that but find a love for it even if you don't go back to a team even if you don't go back and do it professionally do it in your room find a space outside to practice ballet or buy some tap shoes you know buy some point shoes try out anything with your sport that you've lost love for 
but not in the same environment that it used to be. I still Irish dance very, um, maybe on nights out I Irish dance a little bit more, but when I'm home, when I go to the gym, like, the, I'm not in the not in the gym. I'm not just gonna bust out and move in fucking pure gym. But in the gym in the house, we'll I'll go down. There's like mirrors, and I'll just Irish dance because it's fun. I've got a love for the sport that will never go away. But I'll never love the sport competitively ever again because of the damage caused, and the treatment that I received. It will never ever go away from my brain. But that's sometimes something that I just need to heal from, and it's just unresolved trauma that I will get over eventually. But unfortunately, I don't love the sport anymore and that's fine. But I'll find a way back in. You know, if you don't enjoy it anymore, find a happy medium. Do it in your living room. Do it for your family parties. But if it's causing you so much trauma, is it really worth it? All in all, I want to say find people that are passionate about your sport say on tiktok for example i follow lissy mcintosh i follow a lot of formula one pages run by girls who express the fact that you know when the thing happened with that formula one podcast i'm not going to mention everyone was so vocal about their anger towards it and that made such a difference it's provided so much change and so much more opportunities for girls in that enjoy the sport or are passionate about getting into the sport Follow people that inspire you and people that make you love the sport that you love. If you've lost the love for your sport, find it again in a happy medium. You know, practice it in your room, your living room for your parents, for your siblings. But do it in a healthy way where you're not getting damaged anymore because you don't need to be. You don't need to be hurt in something that's meant to be something that provides you solace and peace. Irish dancing for me used to be some of the happiest moments ever but also the worst moments of my life but that's fine because I have the experiences with the happy side of it with the people that I'm hopefully going to keep in my life for a very long time and the people that I'm not going to keep in my life they were gone out of my life two years ago when I quit and that's what I mean cut the bad things off and find the happiness within something that you've lost the love for Mwah. 